Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and tonight, this is a very special episode. And I know I say that pretty frequently, because I'm a firm believer that every episode is a special episode. But, in case you didn't know it, Harvesting Nature actually has another podcast. That podcast is called Antler and Finn. And it's hosted by Adam Berkelmans one of our Canadian field staff writers in the Great White North. And Adam does an amazing job with this show. This show came about as kind of a brainchild of my own, is a way to share our recipes for some of our very enjoyable, very popular wild game dishes on the website. But Adam took it a step further, and so he dives in a lot to the origins of recipes to their international appeal to history to on this episode he dives into conservation which is great because these are all the things that tie us into our food that give us the ability to take experiences in the field bring back incorporate our wild food with our cultures and with our taste to create a meal that we enjoy to share with friends and family. And I think that this podcast, the Antler and Finn podcast, was born of just that. It's a way to further motivate people to share their love for wild food with others. And that's by expanding their own comfort 
to just try new dishes. But I like the spin that Adam puts on it because he dives into the why, the how. He talks about techniques. He talks about the recipe itself from the writer's perspective, dives into those details, and then he walks you through step-by-step, ingredient-by-ingredient, through the actual recipe. So if you really want, you can pause, play, move along through the recipe, and you can cook your way through it. You could take notes. There's always a link to the actual recipe there if you want to look at it in print form. But it's a really great opportunity to just enjoy the audio portion of a recipe, as much as that sounds. Now, you're not going to be hearing the crackling of a skillet or you know the clicking of a gas oven starting, but you can think about this recipe visually, and I think that's the fun part, too. If you do like this episode, then I encourage you to head over to whatever podcast platform you use and search for Antler and Finn and follow the show. That way you can stay up with all the recipes and all the food history and all the deep dives into international culture that Adam provides. That way you never miss it. And now I'll turn the show over to Adam. Enjoy. Today we're making pan-fried wild pork with beer cheese sauce. This recipe was created by Justin Townsend, editor-in-chief at Harvest Nature. He writes, I'm not really sure what cuisine category this dish falls into. Maybe international fusion? It is part German, part Italian, and part Tunisian. Whatever you label it, it's delicious. For the beer, I recommend using a beer that is not too bitter or hoppy. Those flavors come through heavily in the sauce. If the sauce does end up a little bitter, you can cut it with more honey. I served it all over pasta, but you could easily serve it over mashed potatoes or even a bed of french fries. Get creative. This is the world of international wild food fusion, right? If you love wild pork as much as I do, then you need to sign up for one of our wild pig field to fork camps down in Texas. Thanks, Justin. I'll also take a minute to recommend joining in on one of our Texas wild pig field camps. I'll be there right alongside Justin serving up delicious wild pork specialties and also teaching you tips and tricks on how to make your wild pork extra delicious. Other instructors will be there to teach you long range shooting techniques, hog hunting tips and tricks, in-field animal care, proper gutting and butchery techniques, wrapping and storage, and even preservation ideas. These courses are perfect for new hunters and for seasoned hunters who haven't hunted for wild pigs before or who want to learn more about it. And did I mention we also have a hell of a good time? Staff and attendees get to spend a lot of time together building friendships, asking and answering questions, and offering insight on everything food, hunting, and beyond. You also get to bring a pig or two home with you, expertly cut up and wrapped with your new butchery skills. I was able to bring my pig from Texas back to Canada with me, so no worries if any of you Canadians are interested in attending. Once home, you can make this delicious fried wild pork with beer sauce recipe. Wild pigs are an interesting issue in North America and are worth delving into a little bit. First of all, let's get all the nomenclature out of the way. What we're mostly talking about when we talk about North American wild pigs are actually feral pigs. The definition of feral is escape from activity or domestication and in a wild state. That means the majority of the wild pigs in North America were at one point domesticated 
or at least their ancestors were. At one point in their lives or lineage, they were just normal farm pigs. There are also a few wild boars kicking around, just to make things confusing. These are Eurasian wild boars, which roamed from Russia to England to North Africa at one point in time. They are a true wild pig, and are the species that domesticated pigs were bred from, which started 15,000 years ago. Some wild boars have bred with feral pigs in the southern USA, forming hybrids as well. Further south, you can encounter javelinas or peccaries, but these are native creatures and are not true pigs. We'll leave them out of the discussion altogether. Wild pigs and boars are often talked about interchangeably and can also be called wild swine, wild hogs, razorbacks, feral pigs, feral hogs, or rooters, as well as some more colorful names I won't repeat here. A domesticated pig can escape from a farm and become totally feral in months. It will grow thicker hair, tusks, and skin and will become much more independent and aggressive. Some wild hogs can grow to be over 400 pounds. That's all to say, domesticated pigs are very good at transitioning to wild pigs. To date, there are an estimated 6 million feral pigs in Canada and the US. They are present in 39 states and 4 provinces and are spreading further every year. Texas alone has a dubious honor of hosting 2 to 3 million of them. These pigs cost billions of dollars every year in damage to property, mostly in agricultural areas but also in parks, natural and recreational areas. There are even reports of feral hogs rooting around and destroying cemeteries in Dallas, Texas. Pigs use their strong snouts to root around in the soil and like to create mud pits to wallow in. Due to the fact that nature evolved without pigs in North America, plants can't easily come back from the heavy rooting done by pigs, animals easily get outcompeted for food and habitat, and the pigs have very few natural predators. Pigs will even hunt and eat young turkeys, fawns, and small mammals, as well as native reptiles and amphibians. Eggs are a favorite treat, so reptile and groundling bird species are at particular risk in areas with wild pigs. Farm fields get completely rooted up and covered in potholes, with massive loss of crop yields as a result. There have even been cases of aggressive wild pigs hurting and killing human beings. So where did all of these pigs come from? How did they get here? Well, we can trace the first feral pigs back to those notorious historical jerks, Christopher Columbus and Juan Ponce de Leon, who intentionally released domesticated pigs in the Caribbean and in Florida in the 1500s in order to provide easily captured food for future Spanish expeditions. Pigs came over with pretty much every ship coming to the Americas, and enough were purposefully or accidentally released that eventually they began establishing a permanent and large population. At some point, Eurasian wild boar were also brought over, probably as a game animal for hunting, and they began to spread as well. In modern times, a fair number of pigs and boars still escape from farms and game reserves, adding themselves to the growing number of feral swine in North America. So what do we do about these problematic animals? Many different regions approach the problem differently. Some use poison, some use trapping, many allow unrestricted hunting. Some use any and every method they can. Texas even allows hunters to shoot wild pigs out of helicopters. 
This is an efficient, if expensive option since the helicopters tend to flush pigs out of their hiding places and shooters can then gun them down en masse. I can't say for sure which solution is best. I know that where I live in Ontario, the government has decided not to allow a hunting season on wild pigs, using only government sanctioned trapping and poisoning methods. They cite evidence that shows that hunting can pressure the pigs to stay hidden and move around only at night, making control more difficult. In places overrun with pigs though, hunting seems to work as a multi-pronged solution. Luckily, wild pig makes for good eating, with a few exceptions. Large males may carry boar taint, an unpleasant odor and taste caused by endosterone, a male sex hormone, and scatol, a digestive byproduct formed in the intestines. Most wild pigs taste just fine, somewhere between domestic pork and venison in my opinion. Most wild pork will be a whole lot leaner than domesticated and may carry flavors from what the pigs were eating. Wild pigs devastating cornfields may taste different than wild pigs feeding on acorns while rooting up oak forests. Wild pork has an undeserved reputation for being gross, but like usual, this rumor was probably spread by people who don't know how to cook it. I know when I, or the field staff at Harvesting Nature cut up wild pig, it's nothing short of delicious. One thing to keep in mind when cooking and eating wild pig is a potential for trichinosis. Some wild pigs carry trichinosis, a disease caused by parasitic trichinella, which causes vomiting, abdominal pain, swollen muscles, and other complications. Some domestic pork in the past used to carry it, and bears will often as well. Trichinella dies at a consistent temperature of 144 degrees Fahrenheit, so any wild pork you cook should always be cooked to over that temperature. It is good to allow for a margin of error and cook the pork to somewhere around 150 to 160 degrees Fahrenheit to be safe. There's no need to cook it well over 165 degrees Fahrenheit, which will dry the meat out and render it unappetizing. Having a meat thermometer probe is an essential tool for anyone cooking wild pork, which Justin is sure to mention in his recipe. Talking about the recipe, let's get to it. This recipe serves four people. It takes about 30 minutes to prepare and about 30 minutes to cook. Ingredients for the sauce. A quarter cup of butter. Two garlic cloves minced. Two sage leaves minced. Three tablespoons of flour. Half a cup of beer. One cup of heavy cream. Three tablespoons stone ground or Dijon mustard. One cup of shredded Havarti cheese. Half a teaspoon of salt. Half a teaspoon of black pepper. For the pork. One pound wild pork steaks. One cup flour. One cup panko breadcrumbs. Two eggs. Quarter cup of beer. One tablespoon of Harvesting Nature Big Game Blend. Half a teaspoon of salt. Butter for frying. For everything else. One pound cooked spaghetti. Harissa paste, mild or hot, for garnish. Preparation. For the sauce. 
Bring a medium saucepan to heat over medium heat. Melt the butter and add the sage and garlic. Whisk in the flour for 30 seconds. Add the beer, whisking as you pour. Then add the cream, whisking as you pour. Bring the mixture to a simmer and whisk often until the sauce begins to thicken. Stir in the mustard, salt, and pepper. Add the cheese and mix it until it's completely melted. For the pork, begin bringing your butter to temperature in a shallow frying pan. Set up your station with the flour and panko on separate plates. Whisk the eggs and beer together in a small bowl. Pat the pork steaks dry and season with Harvesting Nature Big Game Blend and salt. Once the oil is heated, dredge the steaks in the flour, then dip into the egg wash, and then roll in the panko. Place each steak into the butter for frying. Do not overcrowd the pan. Cook on each side until brown and the internal temperature reaches 106 degrees with a temperature probe. Remove from pan and serve atop pasta with a sauce and garnished with harissa. Enjoy! For more great wild fish and game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.